0: Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Wow, well, I did get dressed and look decent before. (laughs) I'm all sweaty. I always have to make that choice when I'm speaking. (laughs) To, like, really worship or to, you know, keep it together. It's always better to not keep it together. Jesus. Let's pray. You guys can just repeat after me. Lord, open my eyes to see. Open my ears to hear your word. Open my heart to receive your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, starting with, um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but there was a man, 31 years old um, on Friday who was murdered on Neighborhood Road. He was shot. And uh, I bring that up because this is the Lord's city. And this is the church that he called. Of course, the other churches are called. But I am over this house, and I'm calling you to become part of the solution because God's called us to be the solution. There's nothing that is going to change and transform this city other than the gospel because there's nothing that's going to change and transform Hearts and lives besides the gospel. And that mission has been given to each and every person inside of this house. When Caesar was saying, things are not as they ought to be, I couldn't help but picture all the times it's been prophesied that people would walk down Neighborhood Road and encounter the presence of the Lord and be set free from addiction and evil. And yet such an atrocity, such an evil has taken place on the Lord's street in the city that God called you to bring the gospel in. And it doesn't matter if you live here or not, if you're in this house, it's a mandate over your life to bring the gospel to this city. I am a firm believer in that. <clears throat> There's two ways that I felt that God always highlights but is really encourage, wanted me to encourage you to engage in. One, live the gospel. You must live the gospel. That's more than talking about the gospel. That is literally obeying what the word of God says. You must live the gospel. Each and every one of you is the light in this city. Each and every one of you has access to people in this city. And if you're not living the gospel, you will be ineffective to bring the gospel. Do you understand me? If your eyes are not satisfied, when someone looks into your eyes, are they satisfied? Are they, are they seeing satisfaction in your eyes from Christ? Are they experiencing the love of God? Are they experiencing, like, wholeness? Your portion is wholeness in Christ. And this city needs to see people who really are living the gospel. And the other, the other thing is that you would share the gospel. We have to share the gospel, guys. It is the only hope to see this city transformed. There's no law. There's no building. There's there's nothing that is going to transform this city. You build all these buildings that they're going to build here, and the same thing is going to remain. The same spirits are going to remain. But if you carry the gospel to the people that you have influence over, then we're going to see the city transformed. So... If you don't know how to share the gospel, if you, you've never shared the gospel, I'm not shaming you. What I'm doing is inviting you. Come on Wednesdays. Come on Wednesdays, 9.30. There are, I learn from the people who are evangelists here. I'm not an evangelist, but I've learned from them how to share the gospel. And it's so fulfilling, and it, it's just part of who we are. It's really a main part of what we're meant to do in Christ. So... It ought not to be that these evil things are going on on Neighborhood Road. Neighborhood Road is meant to be a river of life. Amen. This is the city of God's delight, and it shall be, and we will see it, and we will see Him pour out His Spirit, and I'm confident of it. So I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to um, thank you, Jesus, Lord. I desire to remain in you right now. I desire to enjoy your presence as I speak, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would completely possess me now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that my words would be effective. Lord God, I come against any spirit right now in the name of Jesus that would hinder your people from receiving your word. Every spirit of pride, every mocking spirit, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Every spirit of pride and every mocking spirit be silenced in Jesus' name. I bless you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah, so today I just, um, Jesus. Today I just wanted to talk to you guys, a little soul care, (laughs) a little soul care, a little emotional health. Amen? Amen? You know, I left, um, the world of psychology, God I, I was going to be a marriage counselor, and God said, no, I want you to ready my bride. And I gave up everything that I was going to go for, and I decided that I would commit myself to readying the bride. And today, I'm, I'm confident that this message is to ready the bride. And we're going to talk today about forgiveness. Forgiveness? Raise your hand if you don't raise your hand yet. Raise your hand if you know what forgiveness is and you know how to express it in your life. Amen. I'm gonna ask you again at the end if it's the same as what I've expressed to you, okay? So you all that raised your hand, you know how to express forgiveness in your life. Amen, good, well that's good. I think most people when you are in conversation with them, especially in the Lord, they don't really understand how to forgive and what it looks like in terms of biblical forgiveness. I think that a lot of people have it confused with emotion, with emotional healing. and with reconciliation and, while, and compassion. And while all these things have a lot to do with forgiveness, they're not actually forgiveness. And today, I want to kind of help you to compartmentalize these things so that you can begin to choose forgiveness regardless of what you're feeling and regardless if there's been reconciliation. Amen? Now, I know this is what the Lord was speaking to me, that some of you guys might think this is elementary. But I challenge you to open your heart and to let God search you because sometimes we can know things with our mind and we can speak about them, but when we don't do them, we deceive ourselves. So today I believe that God wants to remove the deception off of you where you know and you speak it, but you don't actually do it. Forgiveness, amen? So soften your heart in Jesus' name. To be a follower of Jesus, we have to understand just how important forgiveness is. At the core of Jesus' ministry towards us is forgiveness. It's the releasing of the debt that we owed, which was our very own death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. And Romans 3.23 says we have all fallen short of the glory of God. So we have all been condemned to death. Yet Jesus took the penalty for our sins. Yes? And that's very personal. Only you and Jesus will ever know what it means. Because only you and Jesus know every hidden sin, know every sinful thought, know everything that you've ever done, every sin that you've ever committed. He's taken it onto the flesh of his body. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was punished to death, the death that you deserved, that I deserved. And now we've been set free, free from ever having to pay that price. And if you've not repented and turned to the Lord, I encourage you to accept that today, to accept the gift of his forgiveness by faith, confessing and believing that you have been forgiven of all your offenses against God. And this is why we forgive. We forgive because we understand the depth that he has forgiven us. When you lose sight of the depth of forgiveness that he has given you, you will not be able to forgive others. God wants to restore that today too, (laughs) amen? If you feel that you can't forgive others, it's not that you need to punish yourself into getting to the place where you want to forgive others, it's that you need to receive revelation that you've been forgiven so much, amen, so much. So, Lord, bless us with humility to examine ourselves and to see the places, God, that you shed your blood for us. May we remember, Lord God. Yeah, let's take communion. <clears throat> Here, pass this out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and just pass this out, pass it down. Luke seven forty seven says, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. I believe that when we have forgiveness issues, it's because we don't understand the depth of our very own sin. You know, I think that typically, in this house especially, because a lot of us have struggled with addiction or some really hard pasts, that people are like, man, I can't ever love God like they love God. I can't ever rejoice like they've rejoiced. And I will just say to you that... One sin, the wage of one sin is death. So it doesn't matter what the world's standard of, of sin is. One sin, and we were dead. Because it's not about the actual act of sin. It's about who the sin is against. And the sin is against a holy, perfect, just God. Amen? So when we're... Not loving God, it's very difficult to obey God. But when we recognize and realize what we've been forgiven of, we love the Lord. And then we want to release that forgiveness over others. So, oh, I need one. It's okay. Thank you, Jesus. Man, do you know why we worship for so long? Thank you. (laughs) gluten-free. <laughs> do you know why we worship for so long? If, you, if you've never been here before, we worship so long because God inhabits the praise of his people and because we're absolutely obsessed with encountering the living God. And God and his presence can do more in a moment than, than us sharing a thousand things. And also it's so fun to be with Abba. <laughs> it's so fun to be with Abba. Yeah, let me open this. So, Jesus. One single sin, sentenced to death. And yet, with the accumulation of everything that we have committed, the only judgment resting over us is pure, holy, lovely, beautiful, spotless, That's the judgment over us who are in Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? Pure, lovely, beautiful, spotless, absolute perfection. God doesn't see you right now as the best version of yourself. He sees you as the perfection of Christ. When he looks upon you, he sees you as sinless. Get it through your head. (laughs) This, the body of Christ was broken the blood of Christ was spilt out, that condemnation would not be our portion. So Lord, we thank you for this body. We thank you, Lord. You broke your body, just break it right now. You broke your body for us. You broke your body for your body so that we would be healed. And God, we thank you that today our minds will be healed, our bodies will be healed. We take this bread in remembrance of your broken body. Go ahead and take that bread. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. And we take this cup and we bless this cup, we bless this cup and we say thank you. This is a blessed cup. This is the cup of the new covenant purchased in your blood. This cup declares our purity. This cup declares our freedom. This cup declares that we are righteous in the sight of God, and we thank you for it. We take it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your anointing here, God, for your spirit, for your presence here. To understand the motivation to forgive others, we need to deeply connect with our own debt that has been absolutely wiped away. We don't want to become like the Pharisees. Amen? Trying to stone somebody when we're guilty. I had a vision in, in prayer room and that's what caused me to speak this. I had a vision in prayer room and there was a man and he was limping. And the Lord went to touch him. He was limping. And the Lord went to touch him and he said, no. The Lord wanted to heal him and he said no. And instantly the Lord began to minister to me and he said, this man was the church. And you know the church is typically represented as a woman. I don't know if you know that. but the Lord showed me that it's because the church was walking in pride, refusing to be healed of unforgiveness. Wow. And they'd rather walk with the limp because they were used to it. He said, I don't want you to touch this and heal this because I'm used to walking like this. I'm used to being tormented, because that's the other part. The man was absolutely tormented. And we're going to go through a portion of scripture to explain how this happens in a believer's life, that when you walk in unforgiveness, that you open the door to demonic torment. And my heart, I was grieving. I was like, man, I feel like most people don't un- even understand what, how to walk forgiveness out. And yet, here we are, declaring Christ, being tormented and limping and God saying, let me touch it and we're saying, no, 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 don't touch that. I'm used to this. But today is a day of deliverance. (laughs) Today is a day of freedom because God always wants to heal. Do you understand that? God always wants to heal. Do you know that you are the joy set before him? You are his reward. You are the reward of his suffering. And anything evil, He's not coming to condemn you. He's coming to deliver you. He's coming to destroy that thing. And all we need to do is let him touch it. That's all God wants you to do is let him touch it. Don't be prideful. Don't run away. Stay. It's okay if you're afraid to live in a new way. He'll teach you. He'll guide you. You can live in the spirit free. Man, I was driving here. God just kept like ministering to me. What do you do? How do you feel when you pay for something and you don't get it? How do you feel? What do you do? You get home, you open your... Greg, where's Greg Herbst? (laughs) He's not here. He, He spent like an hour and a half driving somewhere, got a burger, he spent an hour and a half driving home, sat down, opened the bag, and it wasn't there. I'd never seen a redder face in my life. (laughs) And I was like, you got to go back. You got to get what you paid for because there's this zeal that rises up when we pay for something and we don't get it. Amen? And I feel the jealousy of the Lord in this circumstance where he's, he's got, he paid for his body to be free. He's coming right now to get what he paid for from our lives. He's coming right now to destroy the enemy of our freedom. He's coming right now to deliver you from your own pride because that spirit of pride is your enemy. That thing is holding you down and he's gonna deliver you from that too, amen? All you have to do is say, okay, God, touch me. I'll let you touch me. I'll listen to what you're saying. Hallelujah. You know, when God, I I believe at least, when God gives a vision that he's authoring faith, he's authoring faith for that thing to come to pass, at least that's how I experience it. Every time I have a vision of something that God wants to do, my heart is inflamed with zeal and faith that he will do it. So I'm confident in your life right now that the Holy Spirit will deliver you from these things so long as you're willing. So let's compartmentalize really quickly, okay? If you don't know what compartmentalization is, it's separating things so that you can process them in a healthy, orderly way. Okay? So this is really important for my compassionate people. Compassion is not forgiveness. I'm glad you all knew that because I didn't. <laughs> Everyone's like, mm, yeah. Well, guess what? I had no idea and I... I've always been compassionate. I've always had a very compassionate heart. And I grew up in in an Italian home, so it wasn't the kindest of places in exchanging of words, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So my little heart just always was very compassionate. But I always confused compassion with forgiveness. Compassion is not forgiveness. And what happens is we can get so um, overwhelmed at the understanding of why somebody has done something to us that we forget about the offense that they've done to us. Yes? Yeah. And the weight of caring for them can cause me to forget about the pain that I've been caused. Now that sounds great, right? Doesn't that sound great? Some of you guys are like, I'm so confused. I thought that's what we're supposed to do. No, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to forgive. So the reason why compassion and forgiveness are completely separate is because forgiveness is when you release somebody from paying you a debt. It means that they've ac- they actually owe you something. So if I think compassion is the same as forgiveness, why would Jesus have to go to the cross if he was filled with compassion towards us? It's because there was a real debt that he was owed. And when we walk around thinking, and we'll, I'll talk about this, when we walk around thinking compassion is forgiveness, we get real mixed up and we're walking around wounded and we're walking around in unforgiveness and just saying, I understand why they did what they did. I understand. And we forget about ourselves. And in the meantime, we're getting sick and sick and tormented and sicker and we're being weighed down by the enemy. That's not our portion. Amen. where am I in spirit (laughs) we have to understand to forgive someone that we must confess that they owe us something we have to understand that to release somebody from what they owe us that they actually owe us something does that make sense to you Somebody has really hurt me. Somebody has really offended me. Somebody really owes me something. I've been a victim of something. And the only way to release somebody in forgiveness is to really confess that they've done something to you. So compassion is different and healing is different. Healing is different from forgiveness too. Oftentimes we say, I don't, feel like I want to forgive them. I don't, I'm still hurting so I must not have forgiven them. And that's not the case. What happens is when you confuse forgiveness and healing, you leave your healing in the hands of your offender. The only way to be healed is when you take the responsibility of healing away from your offender, forgive them, and give it to God. So good. Man, you guys all remember what a hot mess I was like a couple weeks back, right? If you don't, praise the Lord. (laughs) But God had radically touched me with his love, but it wasn't until I went through this process. Man, I had stored up so much, and I had thought because I was so compassionate and caring about other people that I was in forgiveness. And I had this night where the Lord came on me and I just started confessing forgiveness for the actual acts that people had done to me. Like the deep things that I was carrying pain for. And I started out loud, and I'm just telling you, I, in, I really wanna invite you into a process like that. And it doesn't matter who you are or how long you've been in the Lord, there is probably something that you've been hurt by in the past week and why on earth would you leave your healing in the hands of your offender rather than the only one who can heal you amen so i had this encounter where i was just confessing and as i was confessing forgiveness i was i said lord i repent of unforgiveness and then i said lord i forgive this person for this this person for that this and as i started speaking that i mean i started going down like the holy spirit started illuminating things that i was like i I didn't even remember these things. God was counseling me. (laughs) And I just encourage you to get alone with God and to invite him, invite him into the process with you. Amen? Because we don't need to be limping. We need to be standing firm. We need to be a light. We need to be able to walk into a store and be happy and holy and absolutely filled with God, touched by his love. Amen, not tormented. Waging war versus loving your enemies. So now in the church, there's a lot of talk about how, how to be unoffended. And I think that, to a measure, that's good, because we don't want to be easily offended, but I don't believe that we can be unoffended. And I think that this teaching has led a lot of people to not be able to confess when they've been really hurt. And you see, in the church, there's a lot of talk about, oh, in the New Covenant, the only enemy that we have is the principalities of the air. No person is your enemy. And if that were true, why would Jesus say, love your enemies? Because is Jesus gonna tell you to love a principality that's demonic or Satan? Absolutely not, but there's a difference because he says wage war against those principalities, but he says pray, bless, love, do good, forgive those who are enemies in the flesh. So there's a difference, there's a separation. But if you don't identify those who have hurt you or become an enemy in a moment, and I'm not saying everybody that hurts you is an enemy, but sometimes we have a hard time even saying somebody has offended me because I'm like, no, 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 no. I just, it's the compassion versus forgiveness thing. Does that make sense? So I just undo that in Jesus' name. Whew, I feel like I'm running on a treadmill. We have to identify. Forgiveness is releasing the person to make right what they have made wrong. Forgiveness deals with the offense, and healing deals with the wound. You can't put a Band-Aid, I love this, my professor said this, you can't put a Band-Aid on a shotgun wound and think it's going to be okay. (laughs) A cheap I forgive them won't hold up when you know the depths of your own pain. And this is why you have to get with God, you have to feel your stuff, and then confess it. And you ha- I, this is why for me, and I encourage you to do the same thing, I had to forgive each offense out loud because I, there was a vindication in that before God that he would know that I'm releasing this, I'm releasing this. When I properly identify the offense, I properly can take care of the effects. Amen? Okay, forgiveness is not reconciliation. A lot of times... People think that I've not forgiven the person if I've not been reconciled to them, right? That's not true. Forgiveness is between you and God. Reconciliation takes both parties. Forgiveness, um, you need the other party. You need the other party for reconciliation. However, you do not need the other party for forgiveness. While reconciliation is God's heart, you cannot control what other people do. Therefore, you cannot be commanded to reconcile, right? Because it would take two parties. Although you should desire reconciliation because that's God's heart, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes we have to forgive people that are not around anymore, right? Reconciliation requires repentance from the offender. I'm going to say that again. That's a sermon for another day. Reconciliation requires repentance from the offender. God forgave us when he was pierced on the cross. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness came before reconciliation came. Reconciliation came when we repented to God. Then we were reconciled. We got to engage in the benefits of his forgiveness. Does that make sense? So don't confuse reconciliation with somebody with forgiveness, because then you're gonna be walking around in unforgiveness because you're waiting to be reconciled when that other person is off in la-la land doing X, Y, Z, and here you are bound. You know i rebuke a spirit of pride in jesus name i rebuke every spirit of pride in jesus name i rebuke every spirit of pride in jesus name i thank you lord for breakthrough for your people i thank you Lord for breakthrough for your people i thank you Lord I thank you, Lord. I pray breakthrough now in Jesus' name. I pray breakthrough that you would chisel through the stony hearts, God, that you would touch the hips of the people who are limping in Jesus' name. I pray now, God, that you would soften hearts. I thank you, Lord, that you created pain for us to identify where there is something that must be healed. And I pray now that you would bring to the surface every painful spot, God, where we've held on to unforgiveness, Lord, now as we go through this scripture, God, that you would touch those places, bring them to the surface in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Um, why don't you turn to me, with me to um, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. This will be our main portion of text. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? What forgiveness is? Identify the offense Confess forgiveness. Release the person who owes you the debt from having to pay you back. That means you will no longer have punishing thoughts of them. When you have punishing thoughts of them, you bless them. That's what you do. You pray and you bless them. When it comes back to convince you, because there's a lot of demonic principalities that try to convince you that you should not walk in forgiveness because it's the core of the church because if the enemy can get you to walk in unforgiveness, he has, he has a door open. The scripture says don't let the sun go down on your anger or you give the enemy a foothold. Some of you guys are comfortable with a foothold. I was comfortable in a foothold. God wants to release you and free you from the foothold. Why don't, go ahead, open your Bibles up. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. If you don't have your Bible with you, bring it all the time. How do you know I'm reading out of the Bible? If you're not reading out of the Bible. Amen. Phones are fine. Phones are fine. I'm growing. (laughs) Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, Lord, How often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. That's not seven times 70. It's not 490 times. You can throw away that list that you've been keeping. (laughs) It's 77 times. Poor translations have made it say seven times 70, but it's actually a remark about Genesis four twenty four, where Lamech states that he is going to take revenge 77 times more. He took vengeance ferociously on his enemies. And what Jesus is saying is that those who follow him should ferociously pursue forgiveness, ferociously. Do you know, God has a passion to extend forgiveness. He has a passion. Says in 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the accounts. He is desiring forgiveness. Get to the point where you desire, when somebody offends you, that you're desiring to release forgiveness to them, that you're desiring to release the kingdom over them. That's where compassion is important. But you cannot confess forgiveness without first confessing that they owe you something. They can't encounter the glorious grace of forgiveness without understanding that they've really hurt and harmed you. Do you understand that? 24, when he began to settle, One was bought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. 26, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. Now the truth is that such a debt could not be actually accrued by a person in a lifetime. So Jesus' story, this parable, parables are not always actually realistic. It's to prove a point. The point is, this debt could actually never be paid. It's astronomical. It's it's otherworldly, it could never be paid. And that's why it says such a debt. Even if we never sinned again, we could never do enough good works to pay for the sin that we've committed in the past. Even if you stopped sinning right now and for the rest of your life, you spent the rest of your life, every waking breath, trying to pay for every sin that you've committed, you'd never be able to do it. Amen? 28. But when the same servant went out, he found out his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe me. I feel like that's echoing in some of your heads. How many of us are walking around, stomping around, saying, pay what you owe me? Some of us violently. That's what it says here. Choking him, seizing him. Pay what you owe me. Not our portion, not of God. That's the enemy trying to keep you in chains. Lord, break it now, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would break that, Lord God. Break it, Lord, now. Break it, God. Break it, God. Break it. Break our pride. We come in humility to you, confessing, Lord. Confessing, Lord that we've spoken these very words over those who have hurt us and harmed us. And I pray, God, that as every person steps out of this tent today, that those words would not be released from their lips. In Jesus' name. 29, so his servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. The servant chose to punish the debtor. Now this is where it gets a little sticky and a little hairy. Can challenge people's soteriology. (laughs) Everyone say soteriology. It's the doctrine of salvation. I learned that in school. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. The doctrine of salvation. I'm not making a soteriological statement. (laughs) However, I'm going to read the scripture very plainly and then talk about other scriptures that say the very same thing plainly. 31. (laughs) When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went up and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Don't get mad at me, this is the word of God. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, or some say the tormentors, some, some uh, versions, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now listen, it's so easy to be like, that's not something God would do. God's not like that. This is the word of God. It's so easy to say, you know, um, I just believe that he's so full of grace and love, and he is so full of grace and love, guys. He is so full of forgiveness, but that forgiveness requires something. He gives that forgiveness freely through his blood, but then he requires that you respond to it. Especially when it has to do with forgiveness. Amen? Again, I'm not making a statement about salvation. You can work that out on your own. Matthew 6:14 through15. Why don't you turn there? Matthew 6:14 through15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, work it out yourself. All I know is that I'm here to explain to you that it's extremely important to forgive people. It's at the core of Jesus' ministry. Amen? Amen. There's nowhere... No other sin mentioned in the entire Bible where God revokes forgiveness. That's how serious this is. Raise your hand if I'm wrong. (laughs) Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But that's, that's not that he revokes it. In the scriptures, I've not found, I will state, that there is another sin that we can do that he revokes forgiveness. I don't don't see it, I've never seen it. This is very plain. Anybody can read this. Anybody can understand this and we can try to march around it. I'm not trying to march around it, I'm just trying to bring to you the severity of unforgiveness in the Lord's eyes. You can work out what that means for salvation or Johnny will next week because (laughs) he's good at smoothing that over. (laughs) But my heart today is to encourage you to really release people from the debt, to really stop punishing people. And that that doesn't mean just with your lips. That means with your mind, with your thoughts, with your your intention, your heart, everything, your desires. Because it's heaping on you chains. It's heaping on you torment. And I really believe that a lot of people here, this is what the Lord was showing me, are experiencing torment. Some Some of you will never actually come to other people and say it. Some of you have been living in this hidden torment because you want to keep a good face. But I'm just telling you and encouraging you, when you get alone, practice this, and God is going to free you from that torment. Practice it. It's not our portion to live daily in spirits of rage and anger, in wanting to to hurt people, in thinking... Like having these repetitive thoughts of just frustration and just anger towards towards people who were called to love. That is not your portion. And I feel like the Lord was putting his hand on, on this and saying, It's because the door has been left open here in unforgiveness. Amen? I just the Lord's just phew, phew slicing chains, amen, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. This is good news, guys. This is not condemnation on us. He's delivering us from evil when we listen to this, when we hear this, he's giving us a way to walk through and be free. This is a a way to rejoice. Now, I know some of you are like, but I wanna hold on, I don't want to. I wanna seek my own vengeance, but the Lord says, when you seek vengeance, that's it. He can't seek vengeance anymore. It's not that there's not gonna be vengeance and justice, he's a God of justice but you need to let him be just, amen? You follow him. Enemies of the flesh, we pray, we bless, we love, because at one point, we were enemies in the flesh, and he died for us, and he blessed us, and he forgave us. We follow him as Lord, amen? One One of my favorite commentaries is um, R.T. France, the Matthew commentary, and he said this. It hit me hard, Andrew's like, eh, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, The master is willing to forgive a debt that we could never have paid, but will not forgive refusal of an act of generosity that is within your power. Mm -hmm. The master is willing to forgive a debt that you could never have paid, but will not forgive your refusal of an act of generosity that is within your power. When we choose unforgiveness, we forfeit the freedom of Christ that he paid for us to experience. And instead we choose to surrender ourselves to bondage in unforgiveness and torment of the demonic realm. That's the foothold when you go to bed angry. Now, how many years have some of you gone to bed angry at the same thing? That's a strong foothold. You get used to that. You get used to living in the oppression of something dragging you down. Eventually all your other muscles get stronger and you're just dragging yourself around. And I feel like that's not what God wants for you. He wants to sever the foothold, free you, and restore you to being light, being filled with joy, being able to love freely, amen? God wants his body to look like his face. God wants his body to look like his face, full of compassion, holding no debt over anyone, and having your wounds healed. A community of forgiven must be a forgiving community. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Amen? happens every time it's like I could slice the atmosphere um, how am I gonna close thank you Jesus Colossians three thirteen says bear with one another forgiving one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the Lord forgave you I believe today that God really, really, really wants to set people free. Um, Who's on the prayer team? Perfect. Um, So I encourage you, if you don't feel tormented, to do this at home. But if you feel tormented, I encourage you, after I release people, because I'm not going to have you all sit and watch this, but if you feel tormented in your mind, I encourage you to come forward and work with one, somebody on the prayer team to, to really confess this forgiveness and then they'll pray over you that you would be released, okay? Um, so things you can do, because once you've, for, how do you know that you've acknowledged some, uh, that you've forgiven someone? Acknowledge the offense and the debt, repent for unforgiveness if necessary. This is really important. You see, because you're in violation of God now. It's not just about forgiving that person, it's about you have, you're in sin now because of what you've done. So you, you have to repent of the unforgiveness that you've held over somebody because you're confessing that to God. Confess your unforgiveness and then confess forgiveness for those each acts. <clears throat> Be specific with the offense. Be present with the spirit when you do this, and then pray a blessing over that person for the things you know they desire and they want in their life. There's nothing that will move your heart into alignment with God than when you pray for an enemy to be blessed, because that's God's heart's desire, is that all would be reconciled to him. Amen? Then invite God's presence and love, and this is the best part, to fill you and heal you. Because once everyone else and everything else is out of the way, you've made room for the love of God to fill your heart and to heal your wounds. Amen? So how can you maintain this? Speak only life when you think of them. When you have a punishing thought, speak out loud. Because when I, you know you can only, I know I've said this a million times, you can only think of one thing at a time. I thank God for that. Some of you are like, no, I can't. No, you can't, scientifically impossible. That you cannot think of more than one thing at a time. So when the enemy tries to get you to think and curse that person, bless them out loud. Bless them out loud. Start praying for them out loud. Start blessing them. God, I pray for open doors for their ministry. They want, you know, they're, they're cursing our ministry. They want to shut down our ministry. God, I pray for open doors for them. I pray for speaking engagements. I pray for fruit in their ministry. You start to bless them, and then your heart starts to get in line with God for them. Amen. So um, Shanice, um, can, you, <laughs> can you go on the keyboard? Thank you, Jesus. So I'm just going to pray some general prayers over you guys. And then um, you're going to have a great week. And if you want prayer, you can come to the front. Why don't you make your way up? Um, Willie, make your way up. Kira. um, Dina. Thanks. Jesus. I'm just going to say general prayers, and then I'll invite you guys to the altar. Lord, we thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of your word, God. You do not come to condemn, but to save and to deliver, God. You come to save and deliver. We are the joy set before you. We are your reward. Our freedom is of the utmost importance to you. I thank you, Lord God, that today you will deliver people from torment because of unforgiveness. I pray, Lord, that this would be a day of freedom in Jesus' name. I thank you that this will be a a day of closed doors. I pray now, God, Holy Spirit, bring to remembrance all of the offenses that we have swept under the rug. Every offense that we've swept under the rug, Holy Spirit, would you bring it forward that we could deal with it in your light, God. These things that are causing darkness to come into our lives, God. I pray you would bring it forward and that we would offer it at your feet now, God. We just put it all in a basket. Right now, we put every offense, every hurt, every trauma, everything that anyone has ever done to us, God. We put it in a basket. We push it to your feet, God. We release it, God. We release it to you, God. I pray there would be great release, God, where there's been so much tension, where people have woken up with spirits of rage over them, saying, I thought I was made for freedom and joy, and here I am waking up filled with angst, anger, frustration at the people you've given me as a gift in my life. God, I pray deliverance for them today in the name of Jesus. God, I pray where we have sustained ourselves limping, reveal it to us. God, we don't want to be limping. We want to be a church standing straight up. God, we don't want to be a limping church. We want to be a healed church god you paid for this god come and get what you paid for in this house come and get what you paid for in this house god come and heal your body he loves to heal his body he's not angry at you for this he's coming to deliver you from these things he's showing you how to walk in the freedom that he purchased god come swoop in our victorious one make things as they ought to be Holy Spirit make things as they ought to be God yeah. thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Yeah. thank you Lord thank you, thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus some of you are gonna go back to your childhood and that's okay you might be like this is insane There's so much to do and I encourage you to do the work. Do the work, do the work. It's good work to do, it's good work. It's freeing, it's releasing. It is for freedom that you have been set free. Walk in it. Thank you, Jesus. We arrest freedom right now with this. We pull it down, we say thank you. Thank you that it's ours. Thank you, God, what was fleeting what was running away from us, our freedom, that you're restoring it now in Jesus' name. Yeah. We command the tormentors to go in Jesus' name. Every tormenting spirit associated with unforgiveness, every spirit of rage, malice, anger, jealousy, go, Jesus' name. You have no part in this tent. Rest, peace, joy. Rest, peace, joy. Shalom. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, if you want personal prayer. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org Subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, text the amount to 84321. Bless you.